Jones, 30, 35, 40, east of midfield, and then every kick. The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And down the sidelines, a sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me News Network, and this is the 50th episode of the podcast on December 6, 2013. Episode 50, that's a big one. We are halfway to the centennial, and getting into December, where it's a very important month for, you know, whether it's start of, you know, formation of college bowl games, the, you know, last four games of the NFL regular season, and just a lot of other things going on. Joel, it's good to have you back after the week break. Yeah, it was a nice break. Got to eat lots of food, watch lots, lots of football, mm-hmm. some basketball in there too. Just a good sporting weekend. I guess a, a good shopping weekend for many. And uh, Was it for you? Um, yeah, like I, I actually made out really well. I had like over, I want to say over $100 in savings on what I bought. And I got a few Christmas presents for people, too. So it's always nice to be able to get that stuff and save. And and I didn't run into any, like, disasters at the store. Like, I didn't see any small children get pushed over or anything like that. So that's always nice, especially a day after everybody's, like, giving thanks for stuff. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Even when it starts to sneak into that day of giving thanks for stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad that I got to... Do some shopping online, and that was about that. But so, now that we're here in December, um, you know, Christmas is coming, so that's exciting. But we are given plenty of gifts with the sports world giving us news, especially today, here on a Friday, and that's that's really nice. So, but you know, last week we were talking about the uh, the NFL Thanksgiving games, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, kind of how each of those turned out. Uh, no, th- those were pretty interesting watches, but I don't know. It was, it was different last week too. Yeah, uh, podcast on my own. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it. I'm sure it's always different to to not. It's like you're kind of like responding to yourself and kind of coming up with things. But uh, it was nice to have a break, so thank you for. Oh no, certainly. Um, it was just you know the voice had to recover from 45 minutes of straight talking. <laughs> yeah, um, but. Actually, I wanted to say something about, um, you know, just recently, of course, the other day we heard the news that Nelson Mandela passed away. Yeah. Um, and there was, like, it, there was always one of his quotes that I really liked that I thought would, like, kind of relate to this podcast in a way because it's about sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to share that real quick. Of course. He said, uh, sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. It speaks to youth in a language they understand. Sport can create hope for where once there was only despair. It is more powerful than government and breaking down racial barriers. And of course, that you know kind of relates to the um, part that he had in helping get the what was it the World Cup mm-hmm. there, which was really interesting. And um, but it's just something that like kind of. Pay a little remembrance to him. Well, certainly. Obviously, he had a big impact on the world. 
He absolutely did. And, you know, 95, just always amazing when someone can live, you know, to mm-hmm. that age. Um, but, you know, he absolutely did have a big hand in bringing the World Cup to South Africa in 2010. And it fits then that we're going to talk about the 2014 World Cup, yep. which is going to be in Brazil uh, in this upcoming summer. It's just wild to think it's so soon. Yeah. But we get to the 20-yard line in our red zone. We cover the three biggest sports stories of the week. And it's the uh, the groups that were revealed today, the, the big sort of ceremony. Mm-hmm. And so you broke down all of the different groups, eight in total. Uh, you know, the first four, A through D, kind of on one side of the bracket, E through H on the other. Which groups stand out to you? Um, well, as far as, like, I, I mean, like, at least as far as looking at, you know, favorites, kind of, and and where... And, like, you know, how it'll be easy for them to get through, the kind of thing I look at that. Like, I mean, Germany's probably got to be pretty happy mm-hmm. with, I mean, at least their first matchup um, being us. <laughs> <laughs> and I, think, um, I thought Germany and the United States were the third game in that group. I oh, mean, is they're it? They're in the same group. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking that it was earlier. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, Germany... They've made the last three World Cup semifinals, and no team yeah. has ever made a fourth. So they're, I mean, they're on the rise. Certainly, they just need to kind of make the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, them, you know, them probably being, I don't know, first or second favorite for the whole thing. Of course, we could talk about Brazil. I, I mean, that's probably all that anybody wants yeah, to talk. Brazil about. is, I think, the top favorite. Yeah. Um. They've just got a great team, especially with Neymar on mm-hmm. their squad. Uh, you know, not only do they get the the first place in Group A because they're the host country, but they probably would have, you know, gotten such a distinction anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, what was it? I thought they played recently, like, just this past year, played one of the other favorites and like beat them for been spain i think that's who i think it was spain i think so Pretty sure yeah um yeah and it was supposed to be a really good match and i think brazil ended up just blowing them out oh yeah definitely um and i of course you know i don't know i'd say if if brazil and uh if brazil and germany are the top favorites then spain's probably the third mm, yeah on that list um yeah, defending champions yeah I mean, why not? I mean, why not go with them? They're they're still very good, and um, you know, really high seeding. Uh, you know, probably won't have any trouble with their group at all. I don't think. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, how interesting is it though that you know Spain and Netherlands matched up in last year's final? Mm-hmm. Now they're in the same group along with Australia and Chile in Group B. Yeah, I mean it. It probably, I mean, it probably will help them at least knowing the matchup a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you, Brazil got a very, very easy group. Uh, yeah. Brazil, Cameroon, Croatia, and Mexico, which just made it into <laughs> just the World Cup made it. by the hair <laughs> of their chinny chin chin. 
just made it in. Uh, you know, the the group of death, which is always a a noted thing when people are breaking it down, the group that seems to be, you know, the hardest. I've seen two schools of thought on which the group of death is. Uh, some yeah. people do believe it's the United States yeah. uh, in group G with Germany, Portugal, United States, and Ghana. Yeah. Ghana, you know, the United States-Ghana match was a, a big, big close game, uh, close match from last year's World, yeah. last World Cup. That's a very, very strong group as well. But I think you can also look to Group D with Costa Rica, England, Italy, and Uruguay. Yeah. Uh, Uruguay, don't sleep on them. Very, very strong team, uh, along with Brazil and Argentina. Uh don't think that they're some sort of pushover team. And then you have England, who they always like try to they always try to make some noise. Mm-hmm. And Italy, uh, the Azzurri, <laughs> they will always make you know. Some yeah, noise, Italy, some I mean Italy's oh, certainly a top ten team in FIFA. I'm sure mm-hmm. oh. they're out there. Yeah, so that's another one. Uh, yeah, that one. I'd say that one's probably the toughest. I look at it. Um. Uh, Colombia, Greece, Cote d'Ivoire, and Japan in Group C. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably looking at Japan coming out of that one. Yeah. Ecuador, France, Honduras, and Switzerland. I mean, Colombia's ranked really high, I think. Uh, I think they are. I don't know. Japan has been gutsy, though. Yeah. Some of their, their recent uh, tournaments. Um, yeah, some pretty weak groups. Otherwise, uh, if you look at Ecuador, France, Honduras, and Switzerland in Group E, mm-hmm. then Argentina, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Iran, and Nigeria. I mean, Argentina looks to be the favorite in that one. Yeah, definitely. And then Belgium, Russia, Algeria, and South Korea. It looks to be you know Belgium and South Korea with the potential to come out of that one. Argentina and, certainly has the easiest way. Now yeah. that I look at it, yeah, um, like the rest of those teams are. I mean, they're probably not even top fifteen teams in the whole rankings. Yeah, and Bosnia Herzegovina and Iran had to be almost fledglings. I think you know just to to make the tournament there. Nigeria is one of the stronger African, you know, countries in, mm-hmm. in terms of soccer, foot, football, whatever you want to. I call it. It's going to be a very interesting, interesting matchup. And you say Argentina, you know Lionel Messi, you know, one yeah. of the best players in the world, playing for Argentina. Yep. Well, we make the play here on down the sidelines, where we have a little predictive element to the show, and we ask, you know, about seven months out or so, who wins the World Cup? Hmm. Let's see. I think you know. I'm going to go with the easy pick and say Brazil. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the... I don't know how what the statistics say for the host team winning the World Cup. But you got to like their chances with the home crowd. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, knowing that environment, it's going to be very humid, warm, rainforest-like environment you know all the players are used to playing in that environment they have a very easy group you get them in a good position you know take the top you know seed in that pool and then you match it up with uh, 
with B. Now, that would be a tough one. You, if Netherlands and Spain you know, go back-to-back, back, but don't you know count Chile out of Group B, to have that as your next match coming out of group play, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. But once you get past there, I think you're clear to the final. And so I'm going to go with Brazil. It's, a, it's an easy pick, but I'm going to make that one. I mean, they're clearly the most talented team. Um, kind of like overwhelmingly with their, their starting roster. Um, and it seems like it's kind of strange because it seems like whoever is there, even if it's like a new player in a few years, he becomes like a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know if that's just part of the, the culture or they're just really good at soccer and that kind of pays off on everything they do there but uh let's see i was just kind of lo- trying to look at the uh the groups themselves and then um you know I, like i was saying argentina it just seems like that's going to be such an easy group for them like i can definitely see them getting out of it the only problem is you know you get matched up with brazil or spain and they i don't think they really stand a chance um it's kind of it's kind of difference between having like one or two great players on your team and just half your team being really good um and so like really this year i i kind of just don't think i like i wouldn't really pick anybody besides brazil and germany yeah um like you know you you you'd say spain um you know obviously returning but you know I, obviously they don't want that matchup with brazil because, I mean, at least the last time they played it, it really wasn't even close at all. I think maybe if they could get in a matchup with Germany, they might be favored. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just I think it's going to be hard for for teams to keep Brazil <laughs> away from that championship. I I don't know. So I guess yeah. I guess I'll go with the easy route and say Brazil as well. See, that's my hesitation with picking Germany. Is that you know they are a very good team they you know play consistently well but never well enough to make a full championship run Mm -hmm. but i think they can do rather well this year again yeah uh 10 yard line we moved to baseball free agency tell us about that um well uh got i mean a lot of uh players you know from different uh, places moving around, just like you do every off season. Um, you know, specifically, we got guys like Robinson Snow, um, Jacoby Ellsbury, Brian McCann, Joe Nathan, um, Curtis I mean, Granderson. Just a few yeah, hours ago, too. I, I mean, you know, lots of lots of Yankees, lots of Red Sox. <laughs> <it seems. laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see, like, oh, you know, just to see teams like the Mariners trying to make moves, trying to to you know better the organization, get attention, probably put fans in the stands. I'd say too. They do um, need that. <laughs> I mean, they that's that's a good start. I'd say. Um, but uh, yeah, they don't want fans to just come to the game for. Nintendo 3DS specific things since Nintendo <laughs> owns the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the big thing today. You know, the confirmation. Street, street pass. Yeah, <laughs> street passing at baseball games. Yeah, that was the big thing with Robinson Cano 
you know, confirming that you know he's signing with the Seattle mm-hmm. Mariners. Ten years, two hundred forty million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Z, oof, got ninety nine problems, but his gig <laughs> as a sports agent ain't one. Yeah, I know it doesn't doesn't fit with the rap flow of the song, it's, but no, deal with it. that definitely. Mean, that, I mean, money. Wow, cash. <laughs> Those are those ALS teams like to spend it. <laughs> you know, and I think the Yankees went and got Jacoby Ellsbury, as you said, yeah. from the Boston Red Sox, and I think mm-hmm. that was seven years, 140. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Curtis Granderson, four years, $60 million to the New York Mets, yeah. across town from the Yankees. $15 million a year for Curtis Granderson? Yeah. I think, you know, his best years were kind of inflated by that. That park is hmm. a left-handed hitter, short fence. He's like a career playoff 229 hitter, hmm. I think. He's, he's a good player. I don't think he's a $15 million player. Didn't, didn't they get uh, McCann as well from the... Yeah, the Yankees ended up getting Brian McCann from the Braves. Uh, you know, good you know, catcher acquisition. Uh, who did they have before? Was that Russell Martin? Mm. Well, he, it was a couple years ago, and he's with Pittsburgh now. Yeah. Uh, who was their catcher? Uh, Maybe that's why the Yankees weren't good enough to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> Probably, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Among other reasons. Uh, and then Joe Nathan went mm-hmm. from the Texas Rangers. Uh, who was, you know, he's 39 years old, but has you know great numbers, great statistics, especially for an American League closer, and he goes to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, yeah. That was, you know, the big need that they had was a closer, mm-hmm. and they got you know, the best one uh, is two years, twenty million, which is reasonable. Yeah, for you know the best closer on the market. Though the Tigers uh, did deal away Doug Fister, hmm. one of their uh, pitchers that from you know the very good starting staff oh, last yeah. year, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the Washington Nationals for uh, you know good utility player Nick Lombardozzi. Hmm. And a couple pitchers that are prospects that are you know trying to make the push, like right on the verge to the bigs, uh, so a reliever and a, a lefty. Hmm. So I don't know. Uh, some fans aren't too pleased with that here yeah. uh, in Detroit, you know where I'm based. Uh, but you know, they kind of see it as a step to bigger things. Yeah, I think you know the next free agent that's you know the the next shoe to drop, and you know. That people are going to be looking for who goes where. Uh, Carlos Beltran. Oh, yeah, he's huh. been cited in Kansas City, huh. and so they may be giving him money. But at the same time, he's getting close to the end of his career as well. And yeah. you know, I think Texas is in the mix. Detroit's in the mix for Carlos Beltran. I think you know, if I were him, it's going to be a choice of: Do you want to get paid to write it out? Or do you want to chase another ring? Because he has one. Yeah. Uh, at the very least from St. Louis. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I think he's the next big name to see uh, you know, where he falls in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. And another name that you know, popped up because just it's a amusing last name and just shows that I think the trend is teams are spending too much money. This is a very contract money heavy offseason for Major League Baseball. Look at Jared Saltalamakia. 
catcher <laughs> for the Boston Red Sox. He goes to the Miami Marlins. And so we'll never hear from Jared Saltamaki again because Holy cow. that team. Three years, $24 million. <laughs> Jeez. I don't think Jared Saltamaki is an $8 million catcher. Oh, you know? my gosh. <laughs> so that's Um, I had no idea Joaquin Benoit from the Tigers was a free agent, but hopefully they... They lock him up because mm-hmm. they need him back as the eighth inning pitcher. Uh, he was one of the best setup guys in the league before. He had to make the move to closer because of that dreadful situation they had last year. Other players that are you know noticeable. Oh gosh, there's oh yeah, Sinchu Chu is another uh, outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds. Maybe looking around to. To deal him, it's it's so interesting being here in Detroit. Like how many names are like, oh, the Tigers are interested, the Tigers are linked, blah blah blah. And it's just like, hmm, really interesting. Uh, yeah, Todd Helton retired. Certainly, that. Oh, there's so many zeros in these. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. like I can't even imagine how much money that is. Money, money, money. Uh, I, I think that's about all you're gonna really see. I mean, there there are some names certainly, um, but I think the big one is Carlos Beltran, who yep. you know they're gonna wait to see what happens there. We'll make the play here because of the addition of Robinson Cano. Will the Seattle Mariners escape last place in the AL West next year? It's mm. a good uh, question. Well, I mean, I kind of feel like it's it's their like first step, like uh, to try and like make themselves more competitive with like you know Oakland, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like I still don't feel like it's it's like you know the thing that's going to immediately fix the stuff that they need. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like, like I was saying earlier, like getting fans to come to the game is a good thing. Um, and I, I definitely think that someone, this player of his caliber will get people to come to the game. Certainly I, I'd, I'd go to the game to see him play. Um, but um, I, I, I still think that they're, they need to make a few more moves even into the next season to be, you know, more, I I think maybe they'll, they'll be a little more competitive, but I I don't necessarily know if they'll maybe move. I think it probably depends more on the moves that the other teams are making Mm -hmm. around them than anything. Yeah. I mean, you're spending a lot of money on one player, so it's it's going to be hard to immediately fix all the other problems on the team. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's enough talent there. And I'm not even that big of a believer in Robinson Cano being a franchise player that can you know, just turn an entire team around. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a very good player, but I think he works well in you know standing out amongst a group of other talented players. I don't think he's a player that can carry an entire team on his back. I certainly don't think he's worth that exorbitant amount of money. 
It's it's 10 years and 240 mil. Uh, so I don't think the Mariners escape out of the AOS. I think Texas and Oakland are still too good. And this was a down year for the Angels. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, if they can get their pitching sorted out and more consistent offense from Albert Pujols and uh, Josh Hamilton, then I think you're still having the Mariners looking at the seller next year. Mm-hmm. But let's talk college football here in the five-yard line. With the BCS Bulls are about to be, you know, locked in stone after tomorrow's games, which mm-hmm. we will talk about and predict soon against the spread. I mean, what, what can we say about this, Joel? It's going to be a very exciting day, and I think we can leave most of the discussion to oh yeah, you know, definitely when we're, when we're predicting these games because there are only so many with all yeah. these, you know. Uh, championship games for the conferences or, you know, some of these carryover uh, games that happen to be between big rivals. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's been a lot of big losses, big upsets this season. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, I mean... It feels like know, not as many as seasons past, though. I, I think the reason that it doesn't feel like there's as many is because, um, I mean, you've legit still got two undefeated teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had seasons where we don't have any, really. You compare it to last year, where we were looking at and hoping for, at the end of the year, an Oregon-Kansas State game. Yeah. And, and that fell apart so quickly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, right now, you know, we're in the situation where... Um, the I guess you could say if you live in the South, the unspeakable could happen, <laughs> and an SEC team would not make the championship game. Which you know, but it's like you know you've got to choose between that or you've got to choose between Ohio State going to this game and probably being a pretty big underdog to Florida State. Florida State has been the one consistent so far this year, mm-hmm. and it's been and I mean especially impressive. now with. You know the fact that it looked like they're going to have their quarterback for yes. the rest of the year. It, I, the, you know, I, I'm I'm sure that they would be a completely different team if he wasn't playing, and um, you know, having him is going to make them big favorites in whatever the game they play. I, mm-hmm. I'd say. No, I definitely agree. I mean, I probably you know if Alabama even if Alabama won that game, um. And then when the SEC championship, Florida State probably wouldn't have been a big underdog in the, in the national championship. I don't think. Mm. Um, and I think it's mainly. I, I think what has to do. It, I think he's kind of the difference between that team being the the same Florida State team we see every year, where they're really talented. They just can't get past a few teams when they play bad. But they can play bad, and he kind of makes up for it. Mm. So. Yeah. So, make the play here. Who makes the national championship game? And you'll tell based on my predictions here, mm-hmm. but I do think an SEC team squeaks back in. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be Alabama. Mm-hmm. As well, much as, you know, weird. <laughs> it would be, really be very weird. weird. Um and also wouldn't be that surprising considering <laughs> how corrupt the NCAA might be. 
Mm-hmm. However, I think it's going to be Florida State. I do think they take care of business in their ACC championship game against Duke. And I think it's going to be Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team has only lost one game. And it was a basically became a field goal kicking contest to South Carolina in double overtime. Yeah. That's their only loss on the year. Yeah, and they, uh, you you have to remember who was starting at quarterback as well for them exactly. at, at, during yeah. that game. They've got uh, their you know starting quarterback back now in Franklin. Yeah. And you know that loss was a few weeks ago as opposed to a loss for Alabama, which is fresh and they didn't play a championship game. Mm-hmm. I think you got to look at you know the fact that if I predict, you know, based on my predict- predictions, if Missouri ends up being the SEC champion, I think that gives them pull to go to the national championship game. Mm-hmm. If a certain currently undefeated Big Ten team loses, yeah, I mean that wouldn't be shocking either because the team that they're playing is pretty good, mm-hmm. probably best defense in the country. Um, yeah. Um, same thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> same exact thing, yeah. Okay. Um, y- y- I, I think Missouri is a much harder matchup for Auburn than Alabama is. Mm. Um, mainly because I think Missouri's defense is much better. Um, I mean, I, their, their defensive line kind of reminds me more of uh, Georgia's. It's like faster. Mm. Um, and then they've got a really great player at linebacker. Um I just think that they'll, you know, be. I think that they'll give Auburn uh, a lot more trouble, um, especially trying to run that zone read play all the time. I think those ends will be able to predict, you know, where the ball's going, and they just won't let them run it every play like they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you can control the line of scrimmage against Auburn. It's just kind of like every other zone read team out there. It it's hard for them to g- move the ball, yeah. and and Alabama at the end of the game just could not stop them at all. I mean that that was the problem. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I think uh, I, and and I actually think it that could be a really good game. It could be um, absolutely. I I think it, you can see lots and lots of points, which um, usually when we get to the national championship. It's just one team scoring a lot of points. It's usually like a blowout or something. I actually think this could be a really good game, like kind of like you know that USC Texas game was. You know, yeah, uh, we could hope. Yeah, so so hopefully uh, it'll be a game where it's very competitive. I mean, that's really um, if you know if Ohio State get, State gets there, then they definitely deserve it if they went undefeated. Um, but I just feel like I don't know if they're going to be able to compete with Florida State if they do. And, and and that's the thing that I worry about. I I want to see a good game, and I don't want to see one team just, you know, kind of run over the other. Right. Uh, so I I think this is probably of what we have left <laughs> of this season, and uh, the teams available. I think this is probably the best matchup that you can get. Definitely. Let's make a, a quick replay here. Looking at the games from last week, uh, Ohio State at Michigan. Plus 14 and a half. I, I thought this game would just be brutal. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be brutal in another way. It was, <laughs> that was an, an exciting game, uh, an instant classic. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes down to Michigan, you know, scoring a tying touchdown with about 30 seconds left. Yeah. And they haven't stopped you know, Ohio State that well. 
no. all game. I I was looking at you look at that game possibly going to overtime. Michigan could not stop Ohio State's running game. Yeah, and you look at that game going into it. You say if Michigan has a fifty fifty chance to win on the last play of the game, mm-hmm. you take it. You take it every time. It, oh yeah, with how much of an underdog Michigan was, you know, playing for their season and to upset their biggest rivals season, you definitely go for two. Now the play call was not a good idea. Yeah, uh, not yeah. changing it after the timeout. Ohio State kind of had that licked. Not making Devin Gardner mobile, and that was the other thing too. Gardner was a bit beat up. Um, you're not going to take your, you know, slightly injured quarterback. Yeah. Into, you know, a full overtime slugfest. So, I mean, I'm I'm proud of my team for making it so close when I did not have that much faith in them, but it um, also meant that a lot of us did not get. That uh, well, pick against the spread. Yeah, um, I mean, I I I don't think uh, you know. A lot of times, it's like when you choose a play, you have this idea of it. Um, like I heard a lot of people talking after the game, and they're saying that um, Ohio State thought they were going to call one of two calls, and they ended up calling one of the calls they thought, and they yeah. had it. They just knew exactly what the play was going to be. Had it read. Um, and so, I mean, sometimes that just kind of happens. They guess right. And, uh, you know, as as far as the whole game goes, I mean, Gardner clearly outplayed his counterpart on the field. I mean, big time. It wasn't even close. He played to the potential that, you know, everyone kind of thought that he could the whole year in that game. Um, and I think, you know, if I was Michigan's coach and I watched Ohio State's last drive, where they did not throw the ball once and they just ran it all the way down the field for touchdown. Immediately after seeing that, I was like, "Oh, we're going for two. Yeah, like, I, if we get a touchdown, we're going for two. Like, I there's no question. We just we we cannot stop them. I mean, it's going to be like that in overtime. And um, you know, I don't know. It, it was it was nice to see Michigan probably play the potential that they they can. I'm sure but that they, just, they could. You just think, especially for an alum of the school, where was that the rest of these games You know, in the, in the second half of the year? You went 3-5 and five in a lackluster Big Ten, and yeah, you played with a lot of passion and gutso against mm-hmm. your biggest rival, but where was that passion in the other games that mattered? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like after five games or something, the 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 defense kind of uh lost their way and then and then they of course they had their offensive struggles early in the year and then a few games where it was both um so i, I think uh they I, they finally kind of put together a, a more complete game um you know oh, clearly ohio state's offensive line was the difference in the game absolutely uh, props to them because uh, I mean, it, it looked like nobody was on the field half the time when they were running the ball. Um, and uh, I, I think that was probably going to be the difference in the game. Um, if, they, if, they the if, if they could have stopped them running the ball even just a little bit, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened. But uh, I, I, Ohio State's strength, I think, on their entire team is probably their offensive line. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. The biggest game of the week was the Iron Bowl, Alabama at Auburn. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, the game's going back and forth at the end. Auburn scores a, a surprising game-tying touchdown with less than a minute to go. And that was, I'm looking at that live. I'm like, did he cross the, the line of scrimmage as he makes that pass, you know, running mm-hmm. towards the side? It was really close. I'm amazed they didn't review it. Yeah. Very close. You know, the game is tied. Alabama is trying to make, you know, one last-ditch effort to get into field goal range, you know, as time's running out and they, you know, they run a, a draw or towards the sideline and, you know, time runs out. But yeah. Nick Saban's questioning it. And they do end up getting one second back on the clock, which, you know, looking at the replay in slow motion, that's justified, though. Some of the Auburn radio hosts are just saying, oh, of course, Saban gets what he wants. You know, why would he, they put a second back? That's not what he wants. Then you have the field goal kicker trot out. And Joel, as, as a former kicker, <laughs> uh, your mindset or just empathizing with the kid, what he was going through, well, know, through the whole day and that moment. From, okay, so from what I saw, he's not even like their starting kicker. Mm. He's this freshman that they've got to replace the other kicker because the other kicker is doing so horrible. Um, and he's kind of like, apparently he's got a bigger leg. I mean, because the other guy, they wouldn't even let him kick the ball um, when they were on their own 10-yard line. They said, what, go for it instead on fourth and one, and you kick a field goal, the game probably is out of reach at that point. Yeah. Um, so they bring this other kid in because I guess, you know, he's got a bigger leg. Clearly, he's only ever kicked, like, two field goals the whole year, and you're trying to, what, make a 57-yard field goal. Um which let's just say it's absurd. <laughs> it really is dumb. Um, if you have one second left on the the clock and you don't have you know one of the more solid kickers in the country, then you you throw hail mary if anything. Or, I mean, yeah, yeah, because knowing I mean knowing how a lot of these games finished, I I, <laughs> I would have taken my chances against Auburn. You saw lot, how Auburn won there. You saw Auburn won the game against Georgia yeah. that that tipped Hail Mary. Yeah, I mean, and the, and then so the problem is if you're ever you know you're out there, I don't know. I mean, maybe at some point you were on the field goal team or something <laughs> in, in high school or anything like that. If you ever watch it. Um, you know, there's a lot of really big guys out there, uh, a lot of offensive linemen, guys to block. So you're not really set up. I mean, a lot of times when you see a field goal block, the reason it gets returned is because there's not really athletes on the other side of the field to stop it if it does get blocked. In this point, you know, in this situation, uh, you know, obviously the ball doesn't make it as far as it is, but Auburn was smart enough to put a player back to get a possible return. And, it, I mean, if you can get a return on something like that, you're usually going to get a lot of yards because it's you've got all these slow guys out there on the team kicking the field goal. And, I mean, they got some great blocks down the sideline. And yep. one of the, I don't know, I mean, it's definitely going to be up there with one of the better plays that you'll see. Because, not just because it happened, but because there was so much more on the line than there usually is in those plays that you always remember. Big rivalry game. I mean, uh, this, you know, it, it's a trip to the SEC championship and a, maybe a buy into the national championship. It's also stopping what could have possibly been a three-year dynasty. 
Oh yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, it's thing. against your rival. It's it's like everything, really. I think it's going to be the play, you know, and for those that missed it, I mean, you have the one second left on the clock. This you know kicker who hadn't been confident all game all year gets put in the situation to kick a fifty-seven yard field goal. It's short. Uh, mean, not by a much, got, though. Yeah, he got a lot on it. If it would have been, and the, really the problem, the reason that there was a setup is because he hooked it that way. I think if he hooks it the other way, I don't think there's a problem because I'm pretty sure that it was on the left hash. Mm, yeah, and that's the that I mean that's if you're on the left hash, you've got all your players over there, and you kick it to the other side of the field. It's even harder to get to the sideline. Right. I, I mean, that, I think it was just kind of the perfect set of circumstances for Auburn. Uh, Auburn has a player, you know, Chris Davis back in the end zone, catches it, runs 109 yards back for the touchdown as time is expiring to beat the defending national champions. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I was watching the game, the end of the game, at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and for kind of a slow night in Michigan, you know, and, and then – North Midwest part of the country as opposed to the, the South. Yeah. That place and me along with it just got so excited and uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and just, I mean, there's uh, ESPN loves showing the reaction videos while it's happening and having the, like, you know, the radio mm, announcer yeah. talk over it and everything. And those, I, I think you probably find those like on YouTube or something. I know they're definitely on Deadspin too. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Let's see. The I mean it again. I just recently I didn't got to watch that much of that game. So before this podcast, I went and watched a replay of a lot of the game. Alabama had so many chances. I, I mean, like I don't I don't feel bad for them at all. They had five or six chances to just completely put the game away. Oh yeah, and they didn't. I, and you you keep leaving opportunities open for this Auburn team who probably two or three games this year they have no business winning the games that they played yeah. but they've just somehow find i mean hail marys tip passes whatever it takes they find a way to win some could say team of destiny yeah pretty much i mean it's <laughs> it was one of the game endings that i don't think i'll ever forget mm-hmm. and it's one of the I don't think I've ever seen a game end in that fashion or yeah. you know it just it was crazy. I think there was like a like a worthless Monday night football game or something like that happened once but the stakes were not big. Um I think it was like two losing teams. Mm-hmm. You, you you won't see those kind of endings that much oh. because a lot of things have to sync up for that to happen. Now, as far as the other games go, we got to go through really quickly and not even say much because they just weren't as interesting. <laughs> Flat honest. Like, those were the two stars of the weekend. Uh, Notre Dame at Stanford. Stanford favored by 14. They only win by 7. Move on to the Pac-12 championship game. Clemson at South Carolina. Big rivalry matchup. And South Carolina handles Clemson pretty easily. Yeah. You know, that, that SEC. It was Clemson's shot to get to a BCS game. And I... I want to say maybe South Carolina might have a shot at one now. Well, you know, I think it's what a conference has three, a limit of three oh. for the BCS. 
Yeah, so, I guess those three probably are already taken up for the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I think you look at Auburn, Missouri, and Alabama, oh. and that's even if all three make it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know about that. And I think it's probably, if not that, you know, Alabama and then the winner of the SEC championship game. Yeah. But yeah, 31-17 on that final for South Carolina over Clemson. Texas A&M at Missouri, uh, minus four and a half. Missouri wins by touchdown, 28-21. UCLA and USC, uh, minus three and a half. UCLA wins handily on the road, Mm 35-14. And then you had the situation where Steve Sarkeesian, coach at Washington, former assistant during the Pete Carroll era uh, for many years at USC, uh, Steve Sarkeesian gets the uh, full-time head coaching job next year for USC. And Ed Ogeron, who was the interim, was apparently so enraged that he quit. He resigned before USC's bowl game. Uh, yeah. He was talking up those kids so much. And to, to I, like that. I don't know what I don't know what USC's athletic director was thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, what has Sarkeesian done at Washington exactly that he would deserve this? Last, year, the last year they were pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, he's. They, they kind of dubbed him the nickname Seven Win Steve. <laughs> and uh, I, I feel like what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring in Pete Carroll. And I actually think that the guy that was there was doing a better Pete Carroll impression than yeah <laughs> than the guy that they're bringing in. So, um, but then, of course, Washington just uh, said that they're hiring Chris Peterson. Yeah, from Boise State, it's a big hire. Yeah, I mean, it's a big move for him from, you know, going from like one or two big games a year to every game being huge. Yeah, and it's, it's the right time. Uh, Boise State, kind of a down year, you know, get out of there while you can, move on to bigger prospects in the Pac 12, which is, you know, right, right there. Yep. Though, what, Boise State next year going to be in. Yeah. Uh, what conference is it? The Big I East? I don't know. Or I'm whatever. not sure. It's the, I, I think maybe the American, but the thing is... The American I mean, Athletic, that's right. It's going to be, if you're in the American, like it's gonna, it would be tough to get a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know that's, that definitely factors into it. If you, you want to be in a conference that's notable. Hmm. So. Very true. And then the extra point was Iowa State at your West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> overtime loss. That's uh, it's tough. We had a 24-point lead. Oh, no. Well, yeah, and, and our, our running back had, like, I don't know, probably the best game of his career. Um, just looked like the defense gave up That's at tough. one point in the game. And... Uh, it was awful. I'm so glad that I did not go to the game. Mm. It's been a awful season. Yeah, don't make a bowl game. That's tough. Um, I was 0-7 last week. I, not this past week, but you know the week before. <laughs> so I had to bounce back, and I get on the winning side of things with 4-3. and three. And you slipped to one and six. <laughs> just, just be glad you don't. I probably should have like thought about my picks more before I sent them in. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's not even about that. You know, I've, I've tried to be logical with my picks this year, and it's always seemed to backfire. I'd just be glad you didn't go 0-7. I was crushed yeah. last week. 
I just can't believe that happened. Uh, uh, Joel Bush, and I can't even spell his name on the outline. I did the Detlef Shrimp, <laughs> but I put Shrimp. <laughs> Whoops. The T is close to the F on the keyboard, right? Yeah. Uh, but Joe Bush, you know, is rocking both uh, college and NFL football this year. 39 and 21 at the moment for college football. In the NFL, it's uh, Tennessee Titans at Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts needed that game to pull away in their division, so they win 22 to 14. Mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins at the Jets. 23 to 3. There's not much to talk about that game. What's happening to Geno Smith? <laughs> I don't know. He got benched. Ugh. That's a tough one. What about <laughs> Arizona and Philly? Um, yeah, Air, Air, uh, Philadelphia went in 24 to 21. They were uh, four and a half points favorites, I believe. Um, I just realized I did a calculation wrong. Oh, no, three and a half. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, Philadelphia kind of making a late push for that division <laughs> that division yeah, that's they're been so so crazy this year um i i mean i guess all they need is for dallas to slip up both teams dallas and philadelphia are seven and five going to the last four games it'll be exciting in that division and they play in the last week of the season playing well and they don't even have their best receiver right that's true well jeremy macklin's yeah hurt but yeah, Dallas and Philly playing the last game of the season. That's going to be exciting to see. Uh, Denver at Kansas City. Uh, Denver went to Arrowhead and won. It was a little closer than that, I think. But yeah, you know, thirty-five to twenty-eight. You know, Peyton Manning gets it's a big win. Oh, Kansas yeah. City just without the two you know pass rushers. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the other one, but Tom Holly is the, the main one on the defensive line. That's making the difference. They're not getting pressure on the quarterback. And they've you know, lost four straight games. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, I want to say that like the their early schedule definitely... I'm sorry. Three straight games. They lost yeah. three straight games. Yeah. So... But you're also right. You know, their early schedule was significantly weaker, and they're getting the meat of the schedule now. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. So they, they should just start preparing now, I would say. Uh, the New York Giants at Washington Redskins. That was uh, the game. And then something weird happened with the officials. I mean, the Giants ended up winning 24-17. And it was you know a close game at the beginning of the game. But something happened with the referees and getting the down markers and not communicating clearly with the, opponent, the players. I don't think it even mattered. You know, <laughs> Washington had you know some drop passes. And then Pierre Garcon gets the ball ripped out of his hands. You can't blame on that. You can't blame the officials on that oh no so I mean, they, they lost that game you know legitimately but just a, a strange thing to point out and then what about the seahawks at home oh, man uh, that was the, the big game it was supposed big to be Monday night game. it was supposed to be a preview of the nfc championship game and seahawks are good <laughs> They're I mean, I, I thought they would be early in the season and kind of low in the middle of the season. They didn't really lose games. They just barely won them. But they're looking like the NFC favorites at this point. Uh, 11-1. and one. That's impressive at this point in the year. Uh, and New Orleans is just a different team on the road. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and Seattle's really good at home. <laughs> Speaking of too. New Orleans, I'm traveling there Ooh. next weekend. So Sounds fun. That's, that's exciting for work. 
Uh, we both went four and two, although I don't think that's actually true because of that Arizona Philly game. Whoops, I already did the calculation, so <laughs> deal with it. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but Joe Bush is at 30 and 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty good for him. Now let's pick six mm-hmm. with college football games. That, you know, we have some conference championships, we've got some rivalry games like in the Big 12, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Minus nine and a half. This is at noon Eastern time. I'm going to take the Sooners mm-hmm. this one. I know Oklahoma State started to pull. The, oh. <laughs> squeak? I, I don't know what that was. It was a squeaky toy. Oh. Hello, <laughs> Copper. <laughs> um, I think the Sooners are going to make a close game out of it. I think Oklahoma State wins and they lock up their BCS berth, much to my chagrin of the original Baylor pick I had for the Big 12 at the yeah. beginning of the year. But I think Oklahoma keeps it close, and so when you're picking against a 9.5 point spread, I'm going to take the Sooners in this one. Um, I think I'm going to take Oklahoma State, mainly based on, like, like look at what like Texas did to Oklahoma. Mm. And, and Oklahoma State did the same exact thing to Texas. Oklahoma State, since I mean, really since they played us. Yeah. And since they changed quarterbacks, they've played so much better defensively, and they they can run the ball extremely well, which is weird because they changed quarterbacks. I was say, go figure how that works, right? <laughs> so they they changed from a running quarterback to a you know more of a pocket passer, and now they're running the ball better. Um, and I mean, they they pretty much dismantled Baylor, yeah, um, when they played them, and I you know I still think Baylor's really good. And, you know, we saw what Baylor did to Oklahoma. I, I just think at this point, even, the you know, they say the weather's going to be nasty and everything. And so everyone's like, oh, well, Oklahoma can run the ball. And they've changed their quarterback again to the other kid. But he's, I mean, he's like a freshman. So I think that's going to factor into the game, too. Um, I just think uh, Oklahoma going on the road, I, I don't really feel that confident about them. Um, I, I think... I think, you know, if Oklahoma had probably had a different quarterback at the beginning of the year, they might be undefeated. I really think they might be. Um, this this team, to me, looks better. And I think it's because they're much better defensively than that, that the other Oklahoma State team that almost went undefeated. I mean, they, they look really, really good. And uh, so I, I think that they... I think they can win by 10 or more. Um, I, I think that they'll... They'll beat down their rivals at home. That's a rivalry game, though. And as I thought, you know, a game that might get out of hand, it might just end up being closer than I expected. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma is you know, still ranked in the top 25. I don't think they're you know, a bad team or anything. Big 12 matchup. We're staying there with Texas at Baylor, minus 14.5 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, hmm. I think... Uh... I don't know. For some reason, I think a lot of people think that Texas can... I don't know if they think that either Texas can score with Baylor or they think that Texas' defense is better than it is. I don't know if that's just because of the the mid-season change of defensive coordinators or what, but all year, if you've watched Texas, I mean, even when we play them, we're not very good. We almost beat them. Um, they can't tackle anybody in space at all and uh, i mean 
Baylor's probably the last team you want to play if you can't do that. I, I they score fast, um, and I just I just don't really think. I think if it's a shootout, Texas doesn't really have a chance. And I think Baylor, you know, after this past week where they they again they struggled on offense, mm-hmm. I think they're going to fix everything for this last game because again, if Oklahoma beats. Uh, what is it? If Oklahoma beats uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State yeah. then, and Baylor wins, they win the conference. They do. So so I, I think I – I, let's see. Will they actually know by the time the game starts? Um, They'll certainly know by but, halftime. Yeah, I'd say, definitely. So, you know, I, I'd say that they'll have motivation to play well, to play like they had all year before those last two games. Um and I mean, there's. St- I think they might still. They're either like one or two still in like total offense in the country. So yeah. it, it's going to be a tough day, I think, for Texas. Bryce Petty, you know, announcing that he's coming back next year, quarterback at Baylor. Uh, same thing with Marcus Mariota too, and that's surprising. I think that's... he just he got maybe a little down by the down end of the year, and just to come mm-hmm. back next year. Plus, you know, they're both sophomores. I think so. Mm-hmm. They got more time to play. Uh, Baylor, give me the Bears. Um, this, I, I believe I got faith. I made the pick. I got to stick to it. Uh, Missouri versus Auburn, the SC Championship. Auburn favored by two. This is at 4 p.m. Eastern. We both talked about it. I think. You, am I correct to assume we're both picking Missouri? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, Auburn has. They. You could argue team of destiny with some of the yeah. lucky breaks they've caught, but. When they're lucky breaks, you shouldn't be putting yourself in the situation where you need yeah. those lucky breaks to I, win. I, I don't think that you can float up passes and like ducks in the air and hope somebody will catch it in this game. I think Missouri's defense is a little too good for that. Mm-hmm. Stanford at Arizona State, minus three. This is the uh, Pac-12 championship, which... Is played in Arizona State. It's not a neutral site. Whereas you know Missouri versus Auburn played in the Georgia Dome mm-hmm. on the neutral site. Uh, we're at Arizona State for this one. You know, and I honestly can't make an informed opinion on Arizona State. They've really come out of nowhere. They're number eleven uh, mm. team in the country right now, <laughs> and it's because you know they're out on the West Coast. We we hardly see them play. So I'm going to yeah. take Stanford. Uh, you know, I know that you know their lines are strong. And I think that can you know, do enough to stop Arizona State's explosive offense. So I'll take the Cardinal on the road. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say maybe like at least you look. They have a lot of similar opponents, not just because of the Pac-12, but they both played Notre Dame, mm. and Notre Dame beat Arizona State, which is crazy. <laughs> it <laughs> does know? seem like it. Yeah. I, Notre Dame's got two really, really good wins on the season, like amazingly good wins. And, um, but Stanford, you know, last week, kind of a whole home performance, like usual. You don't really expect a lot of flash out of them, but they took care of Notre Dame just this past week, mm-hmm. and Arizona State wasn't able to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know how much that says, but even if you match up a lot of the other opponents they've had, Stanford's had better luck against a lot of those teams. And I just think, I mean, the, the difference what the, the difference when they played the first time was uh, it was it was up front. 
it was yeah. the offensive and defensive lines. And I think I want to say didn't Stanford get to like a really big lead on them or something, and then in the second half Arizona State kind of came back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was like twenty four to three at halftime or something. So I, I think it, it could be kind of a similar thing. I think maybe in the second half Arizona State adjusts, but Stanford's defensive and offensive lines are just a little too much up front for them. I think Arizona State has better skill players for sure. Yeah. Duke versus Florida State in the ACC championship minus twenty nine for the mm-hmm. Seminoles. What do you think on this one? I actually think I'm going to take Duke just because, uh, like, at, at this point, Florida State doesn't need to run the score up on anybody. I know a lot of times it just happens because they're the teams they play just aren't very good at all, and, and that that's kind of the result. But it, I, I mean, this is a pretty good Duke team. I, I mean, the best one that we've ever seen in our yeah. lifetime. Oh yeah. And, um, I mean, their defense is feisty. They create lots and lots of turnovers. That's one of the reasons they have such a good record. They, they, I believe they have a two-quarterback system. Like, one's a runner, one's a passer. I think that they could, like, definitely keep the game close for longer than what a lot of people expect. Um, and I just, I really don't see, you know, even if it gets to the point where... I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think Duke probably has the next best defense in the conference. Mm. Like I actually think they can challenge Florida State a little bit. The problem is that depth-wise, they they're not even close. Um, and that that is I, like Florida State probably their whole team roster. It's probably the best top to bottom in the country. And I think that you know you could say Alabama's might be close, but it's still like I think. Just depth-wise, they are really outmatched. And I think as the game goes on, you will see that is the complete difference in the game. Not you know beyond the fact that they have a better quarterback, right. better running back, stuff like that. But uh, I, I just don't I, – I don't know. I, I think it's kind of one of those games where if Florida State doesn't cover, like, don't be disappointed. You know, right. All they got to do is win the game. It's like and, – and Duke's just having such a surprising year. Now, I don't think Duke's going to – keep the game close the whole game or try and pull an upset or anything. But um, I don't know. I, I think that they're, they're probably a little better than people give them credit for just because based on who they play, just like Florida state, you don't really know. I give you credit. And I do agree that Duke is better than most people believe, but I don't think it matters. Give me the Knowles minus 29 and the gutsy, gutsy call. <laughs> I think the Jameis Winston stuff behind them, the team's got to tune up, and you know there's going to be a lot of downtime between now and the national championship game. It would be really interesting to see see a team give Florida State a whole game. I just think that yeah. I, I mean that's why I'm hoping that you know like Missouri gets there or something. I just want a team that will give them a game. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there have been a, a lot of games where they just have not been competitive mm-hmm. because it's. Just it's over so soon. It would have been nice to see them have like a really big opponent like out of conference. And Strong I know that test. they were they were hoping Florida would be that, even though Florida was awful. Yeah. Um so so you know who's I don't know, maybe next year on their schedule they have like a really good out of conference matchup. We'll see. Big Ten championship game. 
Ohio State, fresh off their win against Michigan, versus Michigan State, plus five and a half, favoring the Buckeyes in Indianapolis. I'm going to take Sparty. Beat the Buckeyes. Look, Ohio State's defense kind of exposed a little bit. You know, use some of the option that was effective. Connor Cook for Michigan State. Yeah, their offense was terrible at the beginning of the year. It has gotten better. You know, sticking with one quarterback helps with that. But Connor Cook is more of a mobile quarterback. You know, he can, you know, throw it in the pocket. But using that skill set will help. However, the difference is the Michigan State defense, which is just great. It's one of the best defenses, if not the best in the country. And yes, Ohio State does have a strong rushing attack, but if I think if you contain that and you make the tackles like that team can, I don't think it's you know winning by a lot, but by a touchdown, I think give me Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, it's I'd say it's pretty much all about that upfront battle between the two lines. Um, I think Michigan State's you know defensive line linebackers are definitely the best players on the field. Um, the uh, if if they can somehow um, find a way to limit Ohio State's rushing, I. I think, like, I mean, the thing that a lot of we, we all want to talk about Ohio State's quarterbacks and like all the different quarterbacks that have played, but um, the the thing that's just crazy is that, I mean, look at uh, what's the running back's name, Carlos, Carlos Hyde. Hyde. Yep. My God, look at his numbers this year. They're just crazy. You know, two thirty-two forty-pound back, and he's. I, I don't speed. think he even played all did. Did he play every he game? I don't even know. He was suspended for a first few games. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's that's something. To look, his his. I mean, there. I think he ran for two or three, two hundred yard games, something crazy like that. And I think he's kind of the key to the. I think he's basically what makes that offense go. Yeah. Um, and I, I I don't think I think if he hadn't had the year he had, then some of those games I don't know if Ohio State would have won. Uh, Michigan State's offense has improved as the season has gone on. Um, you know, it's still not to the the level that probably a like a BCS team's um, offense should be. But it can be inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. But they, again, the strength is that defense. They find ways to win with it. They find they win games. So you know, like fourteen to three or something like All that. All of their Big Ten wins this year were by double digits. Michigan State. Yeah, and I and I think that it's kind of like it, it, is Ohio State's defense, you know, as bad as we think it is after watching that last game. Is it is it to the point where Michigan State will be able to do th- some things offensively enough offensively? Um, I think if if Michigan State can limit Ohio State's running game, because I don't think they're going to completely stop it, because it's. I still think it's pretty good. I think maybe next to Auburn's, it's probably one of the better rushing attacks that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they'll do enough. I think that they've got a you know really good defensive coordinator, and he'll come up with some kind of scheme to stop him. If he he'll load the he'll load the box and you know force him to throw is exactly what he's going to do. And I just I think if you take away Braxton Miller's ability to run, I don't really know how comfortable he is. 
Watch um, out for the Michigan State secondary. Darquez yeah. Denard. And, 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 I mean, that's the thing. A defensive touchdown, and I think Michigan State definitely wins the game. I, I think if, if they give up a defensive touchdown, it's kind of over. So, I, and I, I kind of feel like that's what might happen. I think that Ohio State's going to be pressed to throw the ball, and they're going to make a mistake. And it'll that's how it'll end. But watch out for Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney, who not only and infamously around these parts, let Ohio State play with the tattooligans, as we call them, <laughs> during the Jim Trestle era, you know, who should have been suspended for breaking NCAA rules, but let them play in their BCS game, the Sugar Bowl against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But no punishment whatsoever for for their their right guard who gave the double deuce to, you know, 110,000 plus and on national television and uh, among other things. Well, that's usually something that you should self-discipline to. Oh, but Urban Meyer's a scumbag. Mm-hmm. He's a great recruiter, but he's a scumbag. And <laughs> no <laughs> bias there <laughs> at all. That's just the truth. And the extra point this week is Utah State at Fresno State. Snore. Uh... <laughs> well, Fresno Utah State. State has a really good defense. I know, but Fresno State's offense, uh, the I think their loss to San Jose State was a fluke with another team mm-hmm. with a very good offense. And yeah, Utah State more based on defense and pounding the ball. I think Fresno State's offense too much, giving the yeah. the Bulldogs. Yeah, the I, I'd say three and a half. Yeah, I'd say Fresno State probably too. I think if they hadn't lost the week before, this might have been. Even though there still would have been a lot more on the line for them, I think that it would have. They wouldn't have really woken up. They wouldn't have realized. Oh, we're not just like. Head and heel, you know, head over heels, way better than every other team we play in our conference. Mm-hmm. To the NFL for Week 14, start of the last quarter of the regular season, as it were. Detroit Lions at Philadelphia Eagles minus two and a half. I'm gonna mm-hmm. take the Eagles. Uh, you know, Detroit still needs to prove themselves on the road, and Nick Foles. You know, I was talking about how Philadelphia needs to prove themselves at home, but they've been doing that. Nick mm-hmm. Foles after the great start, you know, 19 touchdowns to start a season and no interceptions for him. Granted, it's in the middle of the year, uh, whereas Peyton Manning's 20 streak was, you know, the very beginning of this year. Crazy how both of those are going the same year, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'll take the Eagles, though. Um, I think, you know, Detroit has, you know, some games they need to win left on their schedule, like Baltimore at home, Giants uh Giants at home and then Vikings on the road. Mm-hmm. But I don't see them going into Philadelphia and, and winning this game. There's just too much there, I think, with you know Philadelphia's defense and and the way Nick Foles is playing. Yeah, Eagles probably one of the like hotter teams right now that you, uh, you know, regardless of their record, you probably don't want to play. And I think being at home is definitely going to give, give them a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Could be like a shootout maybe. I mean, there's a lot of... Offensive talent on both teams. Maybe. Um, I think maybe I'll just give Philadelphia the advantage because they're at home. And, I mean, they're kind of playing for their playoff lives. Like, I I think what they're hoping is, you know, maybe like Chicago will beat Dallas this week and they'll 
kind of take a step ahead, but um, yeah, I think just because they're home probably is the big big point there. Miami Dolphins at Pittsburgh Steelers minus three. But before we talk about the game, though, what has the reaction been about Tomlin Gate, if you even can call it a gate, and his sideline shenanigans? I think that everybody thinks that it was a dumb thing to do and that, you know, he's, what is it? Like the the team and himself are getting fined lots of money and consideration uh, for draft picks, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, he's, I, I believe he's on like one of the advisory boards for like, uh, ethics and, mm. That kind of stuff, and that's another reason why it's like a. I'd say that's another reason why it's a bigger deal is because he's part of like the rules and ethics committee. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I don't know. It's just stupid. I was you know asking you know, in the <laughs> aftermath last week on you know, last week's episode. Uh, you know, should he be fined or anything? I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. What a stupid question. Who wrote that dumb question? And it's like, oh, you get fined a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Go figure um, how that works. But as far as yeah, this game, I mean, as far as like the other things that go on in the league and things don't get fined, I guess you could say that's kind of something questionable. You would yes. ask, um, but I, a fine was going to come. I mean, it, it, probably because it got so much more attention. The, the thing that I was wondering, though, especially after that game in particular that was played last week, was did the did the two Baltimore players get fined that knocked out? Uh, Pittsburgh's running back with double head-to-head uh, you know, helmet hits. Le'Veon Bell, that was, that was there was there was no penalty thrown, no no penalty flag thrown, and were they even fined? I, I didn't see it, but I would I would imagine and hope that they were. Uh, that's that was... I mean, because that's the thing that I was just like, I I turned the game off after that because I was like, well, he finally got to play this season, and now he's you know, I, that was I terrific, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, for this game, Miami at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. I like Pittsburgh's home field advantage. Um, you know, this is an important game for them. Yeah, you know, for the, both of these teams, this, the AFC is getting pretty tight mm-hmm. as far as those, you know, five and seven, six and six, seven and five sort of teams. It's it becoming very close. And I, I like Pittsburgh's chances at home the way they've been playing. Yeah, I just I don't know who's gonna run the ball for them because the only other guys they have fumble the ball all the time, and uh, they had a lot of injuries um, on the offensive line. Like two or three starters got hurt in that game, so I, they they were on. I believe their one of their backup tackles got hurt too, who was replacing a guy who got hurt. So we, I, you know, I couldn't even tell you the name of the guy that was playing tackle at that point in the game. So if they can like somehow get over their injuries, then I think that they can win this game. Indianapolis at Cincinnati, maybe a playoff matchup preview of you know, division winners. Cincinnati minus six, and I'm going to take the Bengals. I think you know, Indianapolis has been a very suspect team on the road, which kind of seems to be a trend. In, for this year's NFL teams. Uh, but Cincinnati has to start putting some distance between themselves and the rest of the AFC North. I think they do that with this game by a touchdown, at least. I definitely think this is a game that Cincinnati can win. Um, I'm just... 
not really like I, I'm. I mean, maybe kind of like a last second field goal kind of thing. I feel like I feel like they might even get off to a really quick start or something, and then just they they they, they, bit, they yeah. haven't. Yeah, they haven't been the team that I think everybody thought they would be this year. Right, they especially with flashes. Their, yeah, they do. Their they, defensive they made depth so many, They made yeah. so many great offseason moves, and they have so many really good players on their roster. They should be a lot better than they are. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I guess this is the point in the season where they have to show that they're that good. I, I think they can win at home against Indianapolis, um, and they, they, they kind of need to. <laughs> mm. You just think it'll be close? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, you're taking Indianapolis. What about Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers minus two and a half? It's the 4:25 Eastern Time game. I'm. I think I'm going to take Seattle. You know, even though they're away from home. Um, you know, the last time that they, that I believe when they played San Francisco at home, it, it wasn't even close. Um, I, I think they've kind of got that team figured out this year, and. I just think they're the better overall team in this matchup this year. Um, you know, San Francisco kind of struggled there for a while. Um, you know, they're they're doing a little bit better, but it's just that that offense has not been what people expected it to be. The defense is still, you know, all right. It's still got lots of good players on it, but just I, I don't think they've they've really struggled on offense this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, give me the Seahawks. I think you know San Francisco. They're a team that'll get in the playoffs for sure, mm-hmm. I think. I say that now when anything can happen in the last four weeks. But Seattle's a good enough team away from home. They're not as good, but I think they're a team that can beat San Francisco on the road. Carolina at New Orleans is the big one on Sunday Oof. night. Uh, you know, both teams seven and three. Not seven and three, nine and three. Oh yeah. my goodness, I'm getting my weeks mixed up. Both teams are nine and three, but it's New Orleans at home. Even though it's minus three, I'm, I'm going to take the Saints. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know Carolina could pull an upset here. They have the, the things to do it. You know, a, a good defense. Cam Newton's playing very well, but you take the prime times. You know, Sunday night atmosphere in the Superdome, which is already a tough place to play for a road team. And I think Carolina, you know, one of their first very, very big tests. And you got to see, is this young team going to be able to stand up to it? I don't think they do. Give me the Saints to cover the three. Yeah, Saints Saints at home at night. So it's a pretty good pick. Um, you know, barring major comeback at the end of the game kind of thing. Yeah. Which I, I don't really think that's kind of the way Carolina's built. You know, they're yeah, not built, really their mo. They're they're built more to you know stop the run, you know, kind of make the game nice and slow, and then cause pass some, interference yeah. calls in the end zone uh, that aren't called. I mean, what? <laughs> what what what? Who said that? Um, yeah, I I think that uh, I think New Orleans is, you know, I I think Carolina probably definitely has a better defense, but uh, I I think the Saints can figure it out and score enough points on them to win this matchup at home. And finally, Dallas Cowboys at Chicago Bears minus one. It's basically a pick 'em in our the way we you know pick the games against the spread with our rules. That's the Monday Night Football game at Soldier Field. What do you have? Hmm. Um. I think I'll still go with Dallas. Um. I know all those Philly fans want Dallas to lose, but um, I, I still think that there's enough skill there to to get by uh chicago which 
you know, at, at one point in the season, they look awful. At another point, they look, they have, like, a really big win, and they look awful again. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's kind of like what the Jets were doing for a while. Um, I, like, I don't really know what I'm going to get with Chicago. I feel like with Dallas, they'll at least put in, like, enough effort to make a game close. Right. Um, and uh, what was it? Didn't, didn't Dallas just kind of scrape by... Or no, wait, did they they beat um They beat Oakland and then Yeah, that's right. Oakland, yeah, that's right. That was that was the Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think that they can they can, you know, at least win by field goal or something against Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's still on their backup quarterback, Josh McCown. Mm-hmm. Uh Mark Tressman, their coach's decision making has been questionable at times. Uh, you know, kicking a 47-yard field goal in overtime on second down, which, you know, it's a 70% chance for Robbie Gold, one of history's great kickers, to kick it through. But you have a couple downs where you can at least, you know, try to center the ball, set up the play. Uh, that was really strange. Yeah, give him, a little, give him a little help. He's not, like, superhuman. <laughs> He's exactly. not going to make everything. Oh, can we also... Mm, it's a kind of a tangent, so I'll, I'll wait and I'll, I'll make this pick here. <laughs> but it's about place kickers. Um, I'm going to take Dallas, also because mm-hmm. the Lions really need every little bit they can get in an attempt yeah. to win the division for the first time in ni- since 1993, which is the second longest current active streak behind the Cleveland Browns Ooh. for mm-hmm. uh, not having a division championship for that long. Congrats. I mean, I don't say congrats. It's still very <laughs> premature. They're only, you know, one and kind of one and a half games up since they swept Chicago. Yeah, I guess you're right. But well, that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, For those people who think they're brave on Twitter mm. and think they can hide behind internet am- anonymity, try saying that five times fast, For those who think they can hide behind internet anonymity and to send death threats to the Alabama kicker. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Shame on everyone who did that. You gotta see, I think it's a Deadspin article that has a collection of all the hate mail that was sent to this Alabama kicker. It's it's just shameful. People should not be called sports. Do they fans. realize how difficult that is? Do they realize how 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 ineffective <laughs> the kicker is in that situation to kick a fifty-seven yard field goal, a place I, that I mean, not only that, but like, what about the offensive linemen and or the the linemen that were on the field goal team that got blocked on the return? Like, Blame Nick Saban for making the decision to not only put the second back on the clock, but to go for that kind of kick. Blame him for not wanting to attempt a field goal from his own 10-yard line, but wanting to <laughs> attempt one from like midfield. Yeah, because it's the kicker's fault to say, yeah, no, coach, I'm not no, doing that. No, coach, that's, no. That's good really dumb. <laughs> that's a stupid decision. But forget Co- to get coach, hate if, mail coach, from... If you, if you do that, I'm just going to lay on the ball. <laughs> I don't like, you know, invoking things like, uh, bam, a row tide, you know, casting a, a huge swatch over a fan base. But to the, that vocal minority, yeah, to do that, like, you are encompassing. Yeah, you know, okay, so 
to all those Alabama fans who out there, um, I hope that you also trust in your coach's word that he is happy where he is and that nothing happens this offseason. Because, honestly, if I heard those kind of things, I'd want to go to Texas. (laughs) Just saying. Michigan State much. Just saying. Miami (laughs) Dolphins much. I mean, you know, you can say your kids are happy, your wife's happy, and everything like that, but we've heard that many, many times. And um, Texas is going to have their own TV network. They have the biggest reach in the biggest state for football recruits. We'll just say if 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 you're, yeah, not only that, but even even if he's not going to national title, winning a national title, he's going to get a big raise this season if if they want to keep him. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the offseason. We'll we'll tell you all that on down the sidelines. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it lasts another 50 episodes cuz we're at Oof. 50 now and that's that's been impressive, you know, mm-hmm. it's two full uh football seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and with that little little party favor. Hey, Sunday Black Mamba returns. Kobe Bryant is back. And Derrick Rose hurt his other knee, and he's done for the season. How does that happen? Oh, the drama. Oh, the the drama. It's drama. That's why it's on TNT. (laughs) We know drama. (laughs) On that note, I am Peter. And I'm Joel. We hope you enjoy the week in sports. Have a good one.